Welcome to Vitality Made Simple. The following production is for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you need medical advice, call your doctor. Now, let's go to Vitality Made Simple. Welcome to Vitality Made Simple, where we take the stress out of being healthy. I'm your host, Dr. Debbie Osment, and I sincerely thank you for joining me. Now, it's estimated that over half of the industrialized global population suffers from some form of high blood sugar. This includes people who are pre-diabetic and those who have full-blown diagnosed type 2 diabetes. Today, I'm going to tell you a personal story about an area that I accidentally discovered and an area that surprised me related to blood sugar control. So I hope this will really help you. Um, Hopefully, this insight will help you with your blood sugar, which will enhance your vitality. I think it's information you're going to want. Now, first, let's talk about why we don't want type 2 diabetes. You know, high blood sugar and high insulin cause inflammation of blood vessels. That's the bottom line. And we're talking about over 30,000 miles of blood vessels in our bodies or more, depending on our size. And these blood vessels go to all parts of the body. So think of your eyes. Think of your, you know, your little toe. Just think of all the the areas that teeny tiny hair-like blood vessels need to be healthy to go and uh, nourish those areas. Now, the chronic inflammation is a root cause of almost every disease. We talk about that all the time on Vitality Made Simple. You know, that's a those are the diseases that we're all dealing with in these in our modern world. You know, think about heart disease, think about autoimmunity, gut problems, fertility problems, arthritic issue, and memory. I mean, memory is such a big area when it comes to inflammation because our brains are quite sensitive to the amount of sugar that's in our bloodstream. And so any spikes or dips can really upset the brain. There was a recent study from Germany that found that people with higher long-term blood sugar levels had smaller volumes of the area of the brain associated with memory. That's the hippocampus. So that is um, where it's important to know your A1C because that's a measure of like a three-month average of of blood sugar. David, Dr. David Perlmutter is someone I very much... um, appreciate and respect. And he says that elevated blood sugar actually shrinks the brain. He's a neurologist. Uh, The risk of dementia is two to three times higher in people with type 2 diabetes. And, um, you know, it's never one thing. So it's not just blood sugar, but blood sugar affects so many other things. We've seen blood sugar fluctuations um, causing major mood shifts in people that we care about. You know, we, we've we've seen this in ourselves and we've seen it in others and we joke about it. You know, someone gets a sugar high and then they have a crash that follows. But it's a very, very serious thing because these fluctuations uh, ultimately make your body more resistant to insulin. And that puts a lot of stress on every single cell in your body via this inflammation. And when your cells are stressed, then your organs are stressed. You know, every everything affects everything. And of course, it's just so easy to forget 30,000 miles. I mean, that's a heck of a long, a um, lot of miles. And there, you know, those, those 
It's mainly those blood vessels that are the size of hairs. So when they get inflamed, um, you know, that increases all kinds of problems. One of the biggies that we forget, I think, is uh, the potential of blindness, diabetic retinopathy. There are... um, Diabetes is actually this leading cause of new cases of blindness in adults 20 to 74. And, you know, 20 to 74 is sort of the younger crowd. So you don't really think about that too often. There's just lots and lots of objective reasons that we don't want to have type 2 diabetes. Um, So remember, we're talking about type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is a different thing. Uh, Well, we can maybe talk about that later. And I want to stress that optimal blood sugar is very, very important. You know, here we are in one of those areas where normal is actually the danger zone because so many people uh, have high blood sugar these days. Uh, you know, think about the people that you know who have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And it's not a sudden thing. I mean, it comes on slowly. So, you know, the area of pre-diabetes is where we want to concentrate because it's very, very reversible there. Uh, in December of 2021, there were about 10.5% of uh, people globally who were suffering from full-blown type 2 diabetes. And it's projected that that's going to keep growing. They're saying like 11.3 in 2030, which is not that far away, and even a staggering 12.2% as soon as 2045. Uh, it's, it's really you know speeding up. And that is in the people who are ages 20 and up. It has doubled in the teenage population. So like, you know, ages 13 to 19 um, since 1999. And so that's just way too many. And that's a third, you know, pretty much a third of the population. And I think even more importantly, you know, whatever the number is for type 2 diabetes, there are probably uh, three times that number of people who have pre-diabetes. And so, you know, those are people that don't always know it. So therefore, over half of our adult population has a blood sugar problem. And um, and it, it just really impacts every single area of life. Now, if you're a regular listener to uh, Vitality Made Simple, you know that I was diagnosed with chronic lymphocytic leukemia in May of 1921. Oh, not 1921, 2021. It was, and it was a surprise diagnosis. I'm still surprised. Um, now, this form of leukemia uh, was found on a random, random, random blood test. Uh, a friend of mine who's an awesome immunologist we had a new lab and was using me sort of for the test case. And we thought that I was going to find out how young my immune system is because I don't take medicine and I really feel great. But I actually found out that I have an old person's disease. You know, fortunately, it was diagnosed very, very early. I talked a lot about that in episode five of Vitality Made Simple. But finding it early was really a blessing in disguise because now I'm on the hunt to find good information that can help, you know, not only me, but all of you uh, find strategies that can help you live, live much, um, 
healthier longer and simple things. So so while researching uh, CLL, one of the early things that I learned was that this type of leukemia can cause insulin resistance. In fact, many cancers uh, promote insulin resistance because the cancer tries to sort of steal the sugar for, and use it for itself. Insulin resistance is the early stage of prediabetes. And of course, you know, prediabetes is the road to full-blown type 2 diabetes. So when I had all this blood test, I noticed that my hemoglobin A1C, which is the average of uh, blood sugar for the last three months, uh, was 5.5 on that blood test. Now that is still in the normal range. But of course, you know, here at Vitality Made Simple, normal is something we always question because although it's in the normal range, it's very close to the pre-diabetic range, you know, pushing that right up there. So I didn't want it to get worse. I wanted to try to figure this out and I want to help you figure this out. So consequently, um, we bought a glucometer and I started checking my fasting blood sugar every single morning. So I write it down and I also write down like what I ate the night before. If I ate late, I write down if I, you know, walked. I mean, some days I walk, you know, three miles, five miles. I I, I write down all kinds of things uh, and then just other strategies that I'm doing to, to get my immune system healthier. And then I sort of try to see how that correlates to my fasting blood sugar. So I started to see patterns and to change my habits accordingly. But but then this summer, and I'm recording this podcast in August, um, there were you know two or three days where my blood sugar was high, much higher than it should have been, as correlated with you know what I I had eaten and what I had done the previous day. So I was obviously baffled. So I thought, well, could it be this? Could it be this? You know, what could it be? Um, so it occurred to me that I had been really walking lots of miles and trying to sweat uh, in the hot weather. And um, I thought, well, potentially it could be dehydration. So I started researching that. You know, what if dehydration increases blood sugar by um, decreasing insulin resistance? Hmm, that's pretty interesting. So, oh my goodness, this is really um important because I found out that indeed that's exactly what happens. Uh, And as you know, it can be hard sometimes to get yourself to uh, drink water. I started just sort of evaluating my day. And so there were times that I would get out and walk, uh, do a lot of good sweating, come in, take a shower, and then go see patients. And I have a hard time uh, getting myself to drink enough water when I'm seeing patients. So, So let's go back to some blood glucose basics. Our bodies use glucose for energy and the carbohydrates that we eat are converted to glucose. Lots of things are converted to glucose, but especially refined sugar and white flour uh, are absorbed very rapidly. And so they spike glucose faster, you know, and, you know, more than unrefined foods such as whole grain products or, you know, vegetables or other things that eventually get converted, but um, but are much slower. So the slower, steadier rise in blood glucose is what we want. As blood glucose levels increase, then the body releases insulin, which 
insulin prompts our cells to store glucose. Insulin sort of unlocks the door on the cell and gets the glucose inside the cell where it can be used. And this in turn reduces the amount of glucose in the bloodstream. Now, Diabetes occurs when the cells become resistant to insulin and the glucose can't get into the cell and it can't be used for energy, so it stays in the bloodstream. So therefore, the blood glucose level remains high and um, causes inflammation. We don't have the fuel we need, but we have lots and lots of inflammation in this 30,000-mile array of blood vessels. You know, that is, I think the earth is only like 24,000 miles, you know, in circumference. So, so that's, think about that number. It's mind boggling. So here's the news we can use. Our bodies are designed to survive. God has elegantly designed us to respond to all kinds of variables. And so when we get dehydrated, then our bodies produce a hormone called vasopressin. Now, vasopressin is released to protect us. So we're dehydrated. Vasopressin then is released and causes the kidneys to retain water. And it also prompts the liver to produce blood sugar from that stored glycogen. Now, this is really a very protective mechanism. But, you know, over time, it's not good. It prompts insulin resistance and it prompts hyperglycemia. So here we are with chronic dehydration leading to chronic hyperglycemia. You can really see how that pushes you down the trail of, of insulin resistance, prediabetes, and then full-blown type 2 diabetes. Interestingly, there was a study published in Diabetes Care. I mean, it's kind of an old study, 2011. And they, but they, a good study. They followed over 3,600 adults for nine years. And they found that those who drank the greatest amount of water were the least likely to develop high blood sugar. I mean, I really admire those people that were in that study. They kept track of their water consumption for nine years. I mean, they need to be applauded. But, you know, interestingly, conversely, those who drank the least amount of water were the most likely to develop high blood sugar. It is just so easy to get unintentionally dehydrated. I've never met anybody who just, I haven't met anybody so far, who just naturally drinks plenty of water every single day without trying to. You know, we know that optimal hydration is important for so many reasons. It helps nutrients to um, be distributed throughout the body. It helps with waste elimination. It helps with body temperature regulation. It helps make your skin prettier. Um, It helps, there's less chance of you being constipated. Uh, If you're optimally hydrated, uh, much of constipation is actually chronic unintentional dehydration. So when you get dehydrated, you know, your energy level decreases, you get tired, uh, you can have brain fog, you can have more trouble performing mental tasks. This has been studied on, in lots of different um, great research papers. Uh, and, and your blood sugar just goes wonky when you get dehydrated. So I just want to encourage um, each of us, I'm talking to myself too, to stay well hydrated and make it an intentional thing every single day. I have learned that the hard way. You know, in my medical school master's program, the recommendation was to drink 
one half of your body weight in ounces. So for example, if you weigh 150 pounds, then you're going to need 75 ounces of pure water because there's so many things that we drink, you know, coffee, soda, alcohol, you know, all these things that actually contribute to dehydration. So they, you can't count those when you count your ounces. Um, now, another thing you can do is kind of do the skin test. You can gently pinch the back um, of your hand, the skin on the back of your hand. So the more hydrated you are, the more elastic your skin will be, and it will bounce back quickly. If it sort of stays there looking like a tent, then um, you need to drink more water. Of course, as you get a little older, it's going to be a little slower, but still, when you're fully hydrated, you're going to notice that your skin bounces back more quickly. I think the skin test is much easier than, you know, decoding the color of your urine because that um, depends so much on so many other things. You know, water is 55 to 60% of the body and the brain is over 70% water. So you can see how getting low can take quickly a toll on how you feel, on how your how you know where your level of vitality is and your level of of kindness even. I mean, you don't want to get grumpy because you're dehydrated. You know, you really don't need to be from Oklahoma to know that Water is essential for life, and once you feel thirsty, you're already potentially headed into that danger zone. So we know that water is essential for life, but now we also know that staying well hydrated helps us reduce our blood glucose levels. Woohoo! I think that is really, really awesome. It's not just about what you eat; it's a whole lot of other things. And um, so, you know, since that is true, there is plenty of evidence to suggest that staying well hydrated can help prevent type two diabetes. You know, it's always the simple things that are so easily forgotten. According to the Institute of Medicine, up to 75% of the American population fail to drink an optimal amount of water each day. And and we already talked about how many people have diabetes and prediabetes and insulin resistance. And I'm sure a lot of those people are also dehydrated. You know, these, both of these areas with, with, um, pre-diabetes, insulin resistance, dehydration. Those are, there's so many people that fall into those categories that it's another one of those normal areas that I dwell on so much. I mean, because there's more people in those categories than there are in the optimal categories, but we want to resist those normal areas. You know, normal is defined as the, the usual and the regular pattern. It's what is typical in a society, um, at any certain period of time. It's what is familiar to people. And I think that what we've talked about today, you know, is all too familiar. You know, we think about normal in our world. It's dehydrated. Hey, I've had that covered for quite a while. It's irritated, constipated, frustrated, overscheduled, overstimulated, undernourished, underrested, inflamed, and totally stressed out. Now think about where water touches all of those, of course, dehydration, irritation, constipation, probably frustration. Um, it, it can affect, you know, your amount of nourishment, your sleep, your level of inflammation, and it can totally add to your stress. 
diabetes and dehydration go hand in hand. And this is a simple area that I hope you're really just going, you know, you're thirsty. I hope this has made you thirsty and make, made you want to go reach for a, you know, a big old glass of, of good water. Uh, staying optimally hydrated is simple. It's free and it'll make you feel better as well as keep your blood sugar better in check. And I always have people say, I don't like water, Dr. Debbie. I, I can't stand it. Well, I always tell them to make spa water. Just add a few squeezes of lemon or lime juice or you know, throw some uh, kiwi in some water. I mean, just make your own spa water and give it a little bit of uh, oomph with a good, some good flavor. Don't let healthy be confusing, expensive, or no fun. Uh, I really thank you for subscribing for and for listening to Vitality Made Simple. Please share it. Uh, this has all been organic growth. I'm trying to get better at social media, but I'm just not there yet because I, I'm just not. Uh, so it's because of you that we're growing. It just feels great to feel great. And we want to make life better. Together, we're going to take the stress out of being healthy. Blessings until next time. <laughs> <laughs>